Hello and welcome to Docupied, an intellectual podcast for the chosen ones. I'm your host, Brandon, otherwise known as Doc Pay. A little refresher for all you listeners out there. Uh, I'm a longtime anime manga fan, and I lived in Tokyo, and I worked for a Japanese anime producer and distributor. Uh, Docupied was, I guess, a kind of weekly or bi-weekly podcast that you know I typically hosted myself. And I've brought on various guest co-hosts to help me out. But if you've noticed, those are all past tense. So I'll be uh, updating you all on what's going on with me and the podcast in just a second. You know, before we get into the anime discussion and all that. So hey, a lot of things have changed for me. (laughs) A lot. Um, for one, I no longer live in Tokyo. I was living in Japan under a, you know, typical three-year work visa, and my three-year work visa ran out. Um, of course you can renew it, but I decided that it was time to move on, and that's what I've done, so I am back in the United States. And that is part of the reason why I didn't record any episodes for so long, was I was just so swamped towards the end of my stay in Japan, and then after I got back as well. So that just, it was like two, two, three solid months of, of time I just didn't have to, to record and edit anything at all. Um, but now that I'm back, I, you know, I have some more time to record some more episodes. So that explains the difference um, then and now. I'm no longer working with uh pony canyon but you know i still maintain contact with him and who knows uh where where i'm gonna go from here but we'll see i'd probably like to stay in the anime industry just because i i enjoyed that and that's something i feel i'm really passionate about and knowledgeable about i also got myself a brand new blue yeti mic in the hopes that uh recording goes much smoother than it did using my headset before now you know my headset was great i love it um it's a it's a sennheiser and you know it works great for a headset but for recording it wasn't the uh the easiest i'll just say it caused i had to do a lot of editing to edit out a lot of random noises that would occur because of course the microphone is attached to a thing which is sitting on my head and i'm moving and talking and all that and it just it wasn't the best setup so i went and got myself a real microphone and hopefully you all can tell and there's no more there's no more weirdness um and it won't take me nearly as long to edit you know as it did before and that's really exciting for me and that means probably more and easier episodes for you anyway i that's probably enough of an update for all of you Let's get into some anime, I guess. It's been quite a while since I've done one of these. Uh, quite a long time. So there's a lot of shows that I was talking about before, and, you know, they're finished, <laughs> of course. And then there were shows I was going to talk about because I was right at the end of the spring season at the start of the summer, and I had a lot of first impressions for summer. Uh, well, summer's over obviously, and <laughs> um, fall shows are even almost over now. Uh, so there is a ton to talk about. Uh, I'm not even going to touch fall shows this episode. I'm going to do that next week because there's just 
there's enough to talk about for summer and a couple of the shows I was keeping up with before. And I have a great manga to recommend for everyone today. I'm going to continue doing that. You know, one great manga series uh, I think everyone should read or something like that. So let's just start out with a uh, general spoiler warning. Um, Although, you know, to be fair, all of this is from last season now. So uh, who knows, maybe you haven't started watching any of this stuff. But, you know, spoiler warning just in case. But for the most part, I'm only going to be giving my kind of first impressions of the summer shows uh, anyway. Uh, I did finish all of the ones I'm talking. I'm going to be talking about, um, so I guess I can talk more in detail than I have in my notes. So anyway, let's jump into it. Well, there's the first one I'll start with is uh, Kuromukuro. And, you know, so of course that show was being produced by Pony Canyon, the company I worked for, and while I worked there, of course, I had access to uh, the DVDs that they were using for random stuff. So I could watch it early um, after the first episode. And I was really excited about it. And I talked to some of my coworkers. One of the producers came over and was like, here, you know, here's episodes one to five on, you know, here's the DVDs for episodes one to five. You know, if you want to watch them. I was like, ooh, yeah, um, I would love to but then I wouldn't be able to kind of participate in discussion because I'd know uh, stuff in advance, and I sort of didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to have to wait another five weeks for a new episode to air after I finished watching those. Well, I lived in Japan. I was watching it on uh, Netflix uh, because that was going up a couple... I think it was like a couple days later. It aired Thursday or Friday night, and it was up on Netflix Sunday night at midnight. And, you know, so I, I would usually watch it then before Monday morning, and it didn't really bother me. But I didn't take him up on that, so I had to wait. And when I left Japan, uh, Kuromukuro was... They had gotten to around episode, like, 17, 18, I think. But I was pretty busy, and I hadn't gotten a chance to, to watch the most recent, like, two or three uh, just before I left. So I stopped just around the halfway point, and that's kind of where I got stuck. And after coming back home uh, to the U.S., I didn't get a chance to, you know, take any of the episodes with me or borrow the DVDs or do anything like that for future episodes. And so I had to wait um, for them to drop the rest of the season on Netflix like they did for everyone else. And, you know, that dropped, and I still... I just I haven't gotten back to watch the rest of it. Um, now that I say that, I feel like horrible because I've watched so much stuff since I've been home because I'm also, you know, in transition between jobs. So I've had a lot of time and I've watched a lot of other shows. So I really should uh, get back on Kurumukuro because I loved it. So I thought that was kind of all I was going to say on the series, um, but... I do have my notes from um, uh, five months ago or so when I I had written notes for episodes 13 and 14, so I'll just read through those now. Um, it's been so long, I still kind of remember everything that was going on, um, and I'm going to feel ridiculous, though, because, you know, the show's over and these whatever questions or theories I may have had have answers now. Um, so if you've actually watched ahead of me, uh, please forgive my horrible theories and uh analysis based on half the show 
Um, and you're right, there's no excuse that I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> but that, that's how it gets. Two new seasons have cropped up since then and uh, just been distracted. All right, anyway, so here are the things I've written. Uh, it's probably just episode 14, actually. Um, there's definitely a lot more going on with uh, the demon from Kenosuke's memory um, because it's actually protecting him and Yukina now. Also, during the uh, opening, it definitely makes clear that there's something going on or something has been done to Yukihime along with uh, along with some things the demon has said. There are those red eyes that I think are going to be important in identifying uh, whatever has been done. So I'm pretty curious also about the demon's relationship with Evidorg and his connection with Yukina's father. They've been hinting that, at that really strongly, so he may have been some kind of like a former leader um, or like a former Evidorg something that ended up like rejecting Evidorg, probably due to Yukina's father, at least based on Kenosuke's memories of him. There's something going on there, um, and I'm curious. That or, you know, Kenosuke never uh, had kind of the full story from the start. So his memories that we see from his perspective um, are just, you can't trust them. There's that accelerated healing uh, and whatnot are most likely the, the machines he got when he first piloted the Kurumakuro. So, um, you know, when he gets stabbed through and, he's, and he heals quite rapidly. Uh, those are definitely due to the Kurumakuro, I'd imagine. And I think that Yukino also has them now, so that'll probably come up in a later uh, episode. The uh, three versus two fight, I thought, was really fantastic um, at showing off kind of the discord between the two Ephidorg pilots, juxtaposed to the coordination uh, gained from training together that you see from our protagonist pilots. Yukino isn't afraid to tell Kenosuke how she feels or when she thinks she's wrong. And he's actually been listening to her a lot more, you know, than Yukihime got involved. Um, but I'm definitely interested to see how the show deals with um, their dynamic now that Yukihime is back in the picture. Unrelated, but also fuck Kaya. So, yeah, too bad Yukihime didn't actually just chop him to pieces as she ran by. Seriously hope she did. He deserves it. And that about wraps it up for my impressions of episode 14. I'll probably try and watch the rest in between now and the next podcast. Uh, and then I can talk about the whole thing instead of breaking it down piecemeal, you know, by episode or anything like that. I'll just, I'll be able to get to it all in one go. Pretty excited. Moving on to JoJo. Um, I love JoJo. I love part four. And... It's been amazing. Um, there's a lot to say about it, and I think I'll save that actually for once the show has finished its run. I think it was getting 39 episodes, so that's coming up next week or the week after that. And I think once it's all done, I will talk about everything, and I'm pretty excited for that. JoJo is one of my favorite series, manga, anime, you name it. And I'm really looking forward to being able to discuss the whole thing. I guess I'll move on to talking about some uh, some of the summer shows. So I'm obviously not going to talk about every summer show because that would just take way too long. Um, so I'll talk about my overall impressions of a couple summer shows and we'll go from there. I'll start with Thunderbolt Fantasy. And, you know, I'm going to bring this up at the start because, you know, I just can't not talk about it really. You know, I had followed that show since the announcement back in, like, February, and I never knew 
really what to think about it. But, you know, I knew I'd at least give it a chance with, uh, again, Odobuchi writing it. And honestly, that show kind of blew me away. The meticulously detailed puppets, the classic wuxia and over-the-top martial arts movie setup, the fantastic, like, stylistic action scenes, the special effects, everything. The story felt real classic and, you know, nothing new or innovative sort of for the most part but honestly there was just so much passion and work that went into this show that was displayed like hundredfold on the screen i really liked the way uh some of the tropes were played out in the show the way that uh, a lot of the plot points were kind of handled it's hard to get into anything without spoilers uh for the ending because that's where a lot of a lot of the meaning we derive, like I derive from the show, or from the point um, Urobuchi was trying to make from it, you get in like the last episode or the last two. So that's kind of I can't you know say much, especially because I don't want to spoil anyone who hasn't seen it, and you should. It's one of the most anime non-anime shows. Uh, absolutely, check it out. Next is probably my favorite original show from. The summer season, 91 days. Um, this was kind of my most highly anticipated show of the summer as well. You know, it's Shuka's first original story. It's, it's a mafia revenge set during Prohibition. So really, how could that not excite me? And I'm a huge fan of things like Boardwalk Empire and Peaky Blinders and uh, the old old mafia stories. Um, I, I named really recent ones. But assume I also liked a lot of the old Mafia Revenge stories as well. You know, I loved the premiere and, you know, throughout the show, I really loved it as well. It was somber. It was, it had this almost brooding atmosphere, really beautifully complemented by the, like, moody, subdued jazz and the kind of dull, uh, muddy, dark color palette that really came together to create a kind of a gritty, stunning world, I think. Like I said, I loved a show like Boardwalk Empire, uh, for reference. So this era and like style of storytelling is, is really right up my alley. You know, not to mention all the times I've talked about how I adore period pieces in previous episodes of Docupied. So with my love of, uh, for me, I still think it's probably current anime of the year contender uh, Showa Ganroku Akugo Shinju and Joker Game from Spring. I'd say the show started off by establishing the stories and characters uh, very strongly. And this story played out in a very classic Mavia revenge fashion, but it was executed very well. And the character growth and dynamics that we get throughout the show for our main characters was very well done. Given it's Shuka, uh, there were some obvious production issues uh, from time to time, but that was entirely expected. So it didn't really bother me. Uh, you know, I loved and was really engrossed in the story f the whole time. So I was able to, you know, completely forgive that aspect. This would be an amazing show to pick up on Blu-ray, you know, hoping they have gone back and touched up some of the production derps that occurred. Then you would get what, to me, felt like a really solid Mafia Revenge story, almost like a film. Uh, the whole thing played out kind of like a film, like you would have thought a film would. Uh, but it was spread over the course of 12 episodes. It's kind of hard to explain, but it really did feel more like a mafia film than a mafia show would, I think. Start to finish, it knew exactly what it was doing. I really liked that about it.
Next, we have a show nothing like those, <laughs> and that would be uh, Sweetness and Lightning. I shared my thoughts about the manga before when I recommended it here on Docupied, so, you know, I might as well talk about the adaptation. Obviously, you know how much I loved the manga, and the anime adds another layer of just adorable. Um, the voice cast is perfect for the roles, and they've absolutely captured the feeling uh, of the manga with the anime designs. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better adaptation uh, for a manga that I enjoy so much. I was able to just kick back and enjoy the adaptation with a smile on my face. You know, I'm a sucker for this genre in general, and honestly, I think it began with my love for uh, Yotobato, really. I enjoyed Usagi Drop and Barakomon as well. And there's another show this season, uh, Poco's Udon World, that gives kind of the same feeling, so... Bring them on. Never let them end. Just, they're awesome. Also, speaking of which, um, the Barakumon spin-off Hanukun's anime adaption was pretty enjoyable. And while nothing like Barakumon, I, I quite enjoyed that style of slice-of-life comedy as well. So, hey, got a two-for-one plug right there. Next is probably what I thought was the best show of summer, uh, Mob Psycho 100. I'm a huge fan of the manga, um, and I've read more or less up-to-date with it. Uh, so I was pretty excited about the adaptation, you know, by Bones, uh, with a staff full of people I like and whose work I respect, really. And I thought if anyone could give one story the love and kind of passion it deserves, that was the team. And boy, did they prove us right. You know, the whole show just overflowed with spectacular animation that just really oozed with style. I was blown away by basically everything from the adaptation, you know, from the music to the animation... Uh, to the direction, to the framing, to just how well everything went together. It was it was amazing. I really just enjoyed how much fun it was to watch that. Honestly, seeing one's kind of crappy but lovable art turned into something like that just made my jaw drop. It was it was amazing. Then we have the newest incarnation of Love Live, which is Love Live Sunshine. Um, I don't have a whole ton to say about it. Um, I think I, I still liked the original girls better, but they understood kind of how to handle their characters and story better in Sunshine, so they'd improved upon the formula a little bit, I think. I'm not really an idol otaku, but I did enjoy Love Live in the first place. So Rin Best Girl, but for Sunshine, Yo Best Girl. And it was announced not too long ago, I think, but Yo got that Nendroid that I absolutely need to get my hands on. And actually, um, looking at my notes, I have a show here that I've mostly forgotten about, but and I do remember now that I'm looking at it again, that would be uh, Real Life. And that was the show that they aired all at once uh, at the start of the season. They dropped all the episodes on a Japanese online streaming service, and Crunchyroll also was able to get it all at once. And people were kind of curious how that style would lead to its memorability for anime fans, given how seasonal everything really is. You move on quickly. With new episodes of the other shows airing weekly, it was out of any kind of weekly discussion. It was all out and done, and there was nothing to talk about, you know, for the remaining three months, except the the web manga. I mean, I had actually already watched the whole show. Um, I marathoned it as soon as it came out. Uh, I was really caught up on everything I was watching, and, you know, I'd watched all the new episodes for all the new shows, so 
I said, what the hell, I have nothing else to do, and I watched the whole thing in the first week. According to my notes, I did enjoy it more than I thought I would, and now, now that I'm remembering, I did. I, I thought I would hate that show. Honestly, I thought I would hate it, given the premise. I, I hate that kind of premise. I hate high school settings. Just none of that appeals to me anymore. But the execution of the setup and how the main character was written, for me, I think were significantly more appealing personally than it would have been otherwise. It wasn't just another wish fulfillment, like self-insert otaku fantasy that idolizes high schoolers and things like that. I honestly thought I was going to hate real life, just, you know, based on the PV and the description. But, you know, I guess I was I was wrong about that. It, it's not bad. I don't know that I'd recommend it, really. But if you want to see kind of a non-terrible version of an adult that goes back to high school, yeah, real life is, you know, is okay to watch, I think. Alright, and just to note again, I am absolutely going to save all of the fall shows that I'm going to talk about for next episode. There's a lot to talk about there, and I've already talked about a lot of summer shows and whatnot, and I want to spend the remainder of the episode talking about one of my favorite manga by one of my favorite manga authors. And I know, I know I said that last week, and that was with Sunny by Taya Matsumoto, which of course is my favorite author and my favorite work by him. But that is also true for this series, and that is Spirit Circle by Mizukami Satoshi. Mizukami Satoshi is one of my other favorite authors. I've loved everything he's written, and I'm sure among Western anime and manga fans, his iconic Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer series is fairly well known, um, even if it is somewhat of a, a cult classic in a way. Um, it is well loved, and a lot of people know of it. What they don't know is that Mizukami has other series, uh, a lot of other shorter series and things like that, but two series that are just finished up, basically, and that is Sengoku Yoko and Spirit Circle. Both of them are amazing. Sengoku Yoko is quite long. Uh, details a, a long story with a lot of characters. There's a lot going on, and I really do like that series, so you should absolutely check it out if you liked Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Um, it's not as tight and contained as Biscuit Hammer was, but there's a lot more going on with it, I think. Spirit Circle is probably my favorite story from Mizukami Satoshi. And like I said, since I talked about my uh, absolutely favorite manga author last week, I thought I would introduce a manga by, you know, one of my other favorite authors. So let's jump into it. I have uh, thoroughly loved everything he has written, and honestly, I can't get enough of his style of storytelling and really distinctive dynamic artwork. And today I'm going to talk about his, uh, not so recently anymore, but kind of recently, completed six-volume long series, Spirit Circle. Uh, for those of you interested, it's available to read on Crunchyroll. And I would love for a physical publication of it someday, but, you know, for now, it's on Crunchyroll. The artwork um, isn't quite the spectacle of, like, fights and designs that you'll see in Sengoku Yoko, or the rough but kind of expressive beginnings in one of his early works, you know, like Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. So while I adore uh, his art, the real meat of his manga has always kind of been the writing. You know, the stories, the characters, etc. Uh, I obviously won't be spoiling anything because this is a recommendation and overall impression, not a review. 
the basic premise of Spirit Circle revolves around the relationship between two protagonists, Futa and Koko, or more precisely, their relationships spanning a long history of reincarnations scattered throughout time and the world. Uh, this is just their current reincarnated selves, and we get to see Futa's past lives as he discovers and relives them for himself each time he returns to his current self again. So it's not without kind of consequences and benefits, but I'll just leave that there for spoilers. It's also not just the two of them, but there's a whole supporting cast of lovable characters that you see interspersed throughout each of their lives. The story is immensely interesting, and the comedy and character interaction is classic Mizukami style. I love that while each reincarnation of each character is very clearly that person, and they have kind of a core central personality, they're all unique as well. They're not exactly the same, and they've each got their own little touches that give them life in such a way that's different in each of the incarnations we see. Our protagonists live really distinct lives scattered across different times and places, and while they share a base of sorts, uh, each one plays out vastly different, and we, we get to see them as first-person story arcs, just like Futa, uh, our main character, does. The, the past lives can be anything from touching, to heartbreaking, to heartwarming. Some of them have adorable aspects to them, and really everything in between. I would say no one really writes uh, as solid and compelling stories as Mizukami Satoshi does, and Spirit Circle is probably my favorite, like I said, of his stories. While the story is primarily told by living out Futa's past uh, reincarnations, and that doesn't, when I say past, that doesn't mean past time, because the way that the series reincarnation works is it is a past life. But that could mean his soul was in a period of time in the future, and you'd have to read the story to understand more about that specifically. But there is a real overarching plot that weaves its way through the whole thing, and it comes with some pretty big surprises, I would say. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer is something of a, I'd say, a cult hit, with a really passionate following, but Mizukami Satoshi's other works, I think, don't get nearly as much love as they deserve. And Spirit Circle deserves a lot of love for how good it is. It's finished at six volumes. It's really easy to read. So if you're interested in it, head over to Crunchyroll Manga and read it. Don't wait, just start reading it. It's amazing. Well, I guess that about wraps me up for today. <laughs> it's been so long since I've done one of these. I have to keep going back, re-listening and reading what I've done to start and end episodes before because I'm just all out of whack. But anyway, thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at IamDocPay. Join the Hummingbird group for updates. Follow me and like on, and share on SoundCloud and, you know, all the other places. I'll catch you next time.